Alola pod. I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the third in our series of spoiler special podcasts dedicated to dissecting Obi-Wan Kenobi, the brand new Star Wars spin-off TV show that brings back Ewan McGregor as everyone's favourite Jedi Master who isn't Quinlan Voss. <laughs> this week we will be diving deep into part three, which in my opinion should be called Obi Thrice, in which Obi-Wan and young Leia travelled to Mapuzo, discovered that it isn't a world modelled on the Godfather, as some fucking idiot suggested it would be on our last episode, get betrayed by JD from Scrubs. JD! <laughs> get a helping hand from an unexpected Imperial ally, and then Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi, finds himself face-to-face, sabre-to-sabre, but not in a sex way, with Darth Vader, at least two episodes earlier than we had suspected and joining me to discuss this episode in our very own gray depressing <laughs> imperial pod booth our three colleagues of such lethal cunning darth james is here hello chris hello james so be it so be it. <laughs> should be a duly deputies <laughs> <laughs> welcome jimbo has uh, put on his hood today i have my black he's gone full sidious <laughs> i have Mm. Yeah, which might suggest how Jimbo feels about this episode. But don't worry, folks. Ben, could you just lay your chips out on the table so it's easy reach for me to urinate on them later on? That would be, uh, that'd be helpful. I will layer my chips on the table, which I'm very yeah. sure you will piss all over. Oh, come on. Come on, guys. We learned nothing. That's not pissing anybody. Okay? Not after that last unfortunate incident. Anyway, James is here. Helen O'Hara is on holiday to celebrate the Queen's birthday or whatever it is. <laughs> Clearly, she's she's taking some time off so she can get extra celebrations in. And so we're joined by two people making her debuts on this particular branch of spoiler specials. Ben Travis has been in Star Wars for the last two weeks. He's been celebrating not the Queen's birthday, but Queen Amidala's birthday over at Star Wars Celebration. Welcome back, Ben. Oh, it is good to be back, but I have been firmly entrenched living in Star Wars for basically the last week. And I feel like... Jordan Belfort, that moment in Wolf of Wall Street, I feel like I've been dragged away from Star Wars, and now I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back in the UK, but I have my. Are you on Quaaludes right now? <laughs> I'm very well. Maybe I will be dragging is myself this, across yeah. the floor of this pod booth. This is why it took Ben thirty minutes to get down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> just three floors separate the Empire office and this studio, but it took Ben thirty minutes. <laughs> It's just nice to be back here and to have started my day by watching another episode of Obi-Wan and putting on my Star Wars top and coming into the office to talk about Star Wars. Ben is wearing a Star Wars top. He is he is fully in the back to tank for, for this show <laughs> and for for this episode. It's a good episode, really I would episode. say, but we'll get into it. There is someone here, I'm not going to say who, who doesn't quite feel the same way as we do. You are what you made yourself, James Dyer. Uh, anyway. Let me destroy you. <laughs> um, we are also joined, debutante on this podcast. Should we get out of the way right now? Yes, the score is good, isn't it, Amon Warman? The music is good in this. It is. It is. Uh, well done. Great. Do you, know, we, do you know the scores by? Natalie Holt. Very good, Chris. I'm going to fucking read. I'm not an idiot. I'm glad to see that I've rubbed off on you. Yeah, I, I hope you haven't. <laughs> We're not having any of that. No one pisses on anybody, and there will be no rubbing off on anyone. Just because Helen isn't here doesn't mean we all get our dicks out, all right? Well, listen, and there's a responsibility that I have sitting in Helen's seat today. I'll try, I'll try and do it justice. Yes, you could be Helen this week. 
So if I, if if I start look if, if it looks like I'm going to say something bad, <laughs> then let me say it, <laughs> and then just say you're a monster or that's a hate crime or stop doing that, Chris. That's illegal. Understood. Okay, usual Ooh, stuff. Maybe get a men's rare in if you can. Yes. yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but hey, listen, good episode, right? I'm on. Yes, I really, really like this episode. I've really liked the series as a whole, uh, the first two episodes as well. But this one, having Vader actually show up and be <gasps> a presence um, in the way that he was, was really, really cool. Because they sort of located Obi-Wan and said, okay, Inquisitors are going to go to this planet to capture him. In my mind, I'm like, okay, the Inquisitors are going to go and attack. Yeah. I never expected Vader Episode three. We, we thought this would be maybe episode six, maybe episode five. Oh, sorry, part five. I was going to say, sorry. you've got to expect some sorry. Vader in your episode three. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to expect some Vader in, in your episode three, indeed. But near part three, I thought they would, they would hold him for part five or part six. Mm. But here he is, yeah. up front and center, lightsabers out, dueling with Obi-Wan on the planet of... Mapuzo. More like toying with Obi-Wan, let's be well. Um, oh, doing some fucking heinous shit. He has yeah. a high ground, if you know yeah. what I mean. I, Not morally, of course, he's still evil. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get into it more, but I love the silent storytelling of that scene. There's no dialogue, but you can sense that Vader has sensed Obi-Wan, and therefore that is why he's acting. Well... He well, this is all very interesting, but um, we might as well get out of the way before we get into the episode, <laughs> which again, I'm going to try and do as chronologically as I possibly can. Apologies. Uh, he is here. I'm looking at him right now. It is Darth <laughs> Darth Chip Pisser, which is a brand new Sith name. What, Jimbo, what, what's wrong with I you? I mean, look, I wanted to like it. I wanted to like it. I'm here for it in principle. I really enjoyed the first episode of this, and I didn't enjoy the second episode as much, but... On paper, what this does is good. You know, it's exciting. It's something I want to see. And yet watching it was such an underwhelming experience because it felt so cheap. And the problem is, it's like these cost, what, $25 million an episode? And Empire Strikes Back's entire budget was like $30 million. And I feel a little bit like, oh, I, know. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been inflation since. But, but you know what I mean? I just feel like a little bit like, and I, and I get that they don't have a massive budget generally they've got to stretch out the whole show but I feel like if you're going to have Obi-Wan Kenobi face up against Darth Vader which Obi-Wan. is pretty fucking Obi-Wan monumental Kenobi. you want it to feel like an event and not just like a you know you know like when you're at Comic Con and like a little bit of drama co- sort of like Amdram cosplay will like break out on like the floor out there and some people will go oh look they're saying lies of play it felt a bit like that to me and I and I get what they did with the lighting they put it in dark they used lightsaber lighting which was a nice stylistic choice but it felt a lot like that was to cover up the fact that the choreography was you could say stylistically in keeping with the original Star Wars but not particularly impressive and I just, I felt the whole thing just felt like a, like a, like, a, like an episode of the Clone Wars, is what I'm saying. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, 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 while everyone just takes in what happened. James <laughs> dropping that moment there was like, there was just a second of calm before everything was about to explode. Oh, James yeah. Dyer. Why did you have to go there? I'm sorry. Look, the reason why the choreography isn't as good as we want it to be is because... They forgot. <laughs> no, Chris Stewart. It's because Obi-Wan has... Should we st- choreograph this fight? I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were choreographing oh, it. Oh, shit. Obi-Wan is still 
reconnecting with the force. He's still gaining his skills back. He's still rusty. That is why it's not really a duel. It's more Obi. It's more Dave Vader using one hand only, toying yeah. with okay, Vader. Oh, no, that's fine. So Vader's allowed to use one hand only because, as we have established, once he has gone through his transformation from Anakin to Darth Vader, that his preferred fighting style is single-handed. Like that's how he fights, okay. which is fine. But that and and you can say all that about Obi Wan, and I get that it's almost like a like I think we were discussing it on WhatsApp that it's like the sequel to a video game. You know, like where right. the main characters inexplicably lost all the abilities they gained in the first game because reasons, mm-hmm. and they're gradually getting them back bit by bit. But why was Vader behaving? like such a colossal penis like have you met Darth Vader fair <laughs> but, but like, first of all I like the idea that no, seriously, for a man who does not run he gets around but like, I can only imagine that when he ducks out of sight he's sprinting behind the dunes <laughs> to get in front of Obi-Wan he's like come, jumps up I'm here that's you why know, he, like, he yeah. goes <laughs> that's why I out of breath that was like but like so, can we, I mean I know we're jumping ahead but I feel I have to do this like so he right, does his whole I'm going to drag you through fire thing like he's obviously he's demonstrated he can yank people out of his houses they can snap mm. their necks with the force he can raise Obi-Wan up from the ground it's like oh no you are separated from me by looks at the ground 15 feet I can't possibly do anything to get you now I shall just turn around and walk away even though you are lying on the floor in front we've of established me. in this in this show though that if you put a small obstacle in front of someone <laughs> yeah, that's true. then they, they, they just can't crack that code God, help if there have been some kind of awning or a tarpaulin yeah. on the floor you've been absolutely fucked as evidenced by the by the laser gate this week that, that Obi-Wan tries to get to oh the laser gate I'm going to smash the laser gate and just walk around it mate just fucking walk around it the next shot shows you can, you can just walk around it honestly yeah that, that was a bit of an issue in the fight scene at the end because uh, it feels like the fire was put out when Obi-Wan's mm. lying in the middle of the fire the fire is put out by the fact that Vader uses like sort of force push he like mm-hmm. force pushes him and that blows the fire out yeah. he uses L- and then, LT and X <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, in like a quick time event. Um, <laughs> but then Indira Varma's imperial person who had a name. Tala. Tala, that's Jesus it. Jesus Christ, Ben. She reignites it by shooting the thing, but he doesn't yeah. just blow the fire out again or, in the way or that he could. lift yeah. Obi-Wan up and just pull him to him yeah, as right. he has demonstrated he can do. That's a fair point. Yeah. And yeah. It's, but the thing is, it's things like that... And like all the way through, and I know it's different. On a TV show, it gives you the opportunity to slow down and to look at sort of like more intimate moments. But like if you look at the prequels for all of their flaws, they are grand. They are writ large. They are epic in scope. Yes, there's a discussion about sand. And yes, they do dance around on space cows. But other than that, there is grand stuff. Yet there's a 10 minute sequence in here where Leia and Obi-Wan ride on the back of a bus. And you're like, I mean, they're cinematic and they're cinematic, but this is not that. And I just felt there were so many bits in here which just needed a bit of a polish, needed, needed maybe a, a little bit of punching up to make it feel weighty. And I get maybe they were saying, you know what, Vader's coming at the end, we can do whatever the fuck we want because Vader's going to walk in. Look at Empire Strikes Back and look at, you know, Luke and Vader in the carbon freezing chamber. That whole confrontation, everything about that is just dripping in foreboding. It is absolute art. And then you look at this. And it does feel like a panto production that's paying homage to it. Like, I'm sorry, it just does. And, you know, I know it's fan service and I know it ticks all those boxes and it's kind of what you want to see, but I want to see it done well. And this, unfortunately, comes into the pissing in the cinema, in the swimming pool. You didn't feel any sense of foreboding when Vader was marching on the city, dragging people out of their houses. <sighs> it's just that was fucking stupid as well. Because the thing is, it's like you're either doing one thing or that you're either killing, and I can't emphasize this enough, imperial loyalists for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> but you either kill people to 
lure Obi-Wan out, which mm-hmm. is people legitimate, and if he wanted to force pull someone out and torture them until Obi-Wan comes out, that would have been a legitimate thing to do. There was absolutely no purpose to what he was doing because he didn't seem to be doing that to draw him out. He was just randomly killing his own people for no particular reason. And it was just like, and so it wasn't foreboding. It just seems this hasn't been thought through. And again, it just irritated me. I didn't get the sense that he... He he knew that Obi Wan was there. That's why he was dragging people out and trying to goad him out to to meet. That that, that was the whole point. But of you that don't sequence. just like kill someone instantly. You want to make them suffer. I'm not speaking from experience, obviously. But yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna torture someone, <laughs> you want to draw it out, make a spectacle of it, and like cause Obi Wan, as they've proven in the first episode, to have to you know to essentially catch himself, to be outdone by his Jedi code, the and Jedi have to save someone himself. Indeed. What do you guys think of this scene? I felt that he was trying to goad him and pull him out into the light and because he could sense him he could feel obi-wan's presence mm-hmm. so he's like right i'm gonna fuck some shit up and and obi-wan's gonna reveal himself but then it felt like a choice that obi-wan didn't reveal himself and that's still part of the the sort of darkness and the weight that he is carrying that mm-hmm. he in that moment he 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 still runs away he ran away in that moment perhaps to draw vader away as well to that random quarry. That's one way of looking um, at it. Another way of looking at it is that Obi-Wan is just shit scared. Which in, I think is in, true in this, as well. In, in this entire series so far, yeah. he has been shit scared and you know he has to be absolutely boxed into a corner and painted into a corner before he can before he finds any element of the of the old Obi-Wan. It's very much about, I think, him suffering from uh, a space version of PTSD and and he has forgotten or buried and can't access the, the force anymore. You know, he, he just about used it a little bit in part two, but he hasn't he hasn't got to that point yet. So that's a really interesting point, actually. And something I did like about this, he's more damaged than you think of that character as being. Because like Obi-Wan, when you encounter him in Star Wars, Alec Guinness, you know, he's pretty confident. He's an old man, but he feels he's quite self-assured. He can use his mind tricks. He can do that, but he doesn't feel like damage whereas this Obi-Wan does feel PTSD like he feels when he finds out Anakin's still alive he looks like he's having a full-blown panic attack Mm -hmm. like not a oh my god Anakin's alive like oh my fucking Christ what am I going to do start panicking it's Anakin exactly indeed yeah (laughs) Um, which is interesting because you never obviously he 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 had the high ground he whooped Anakin's ass you wouldn't think he was afraid of Anakin but I get the impression it's not about fear of a man it's more about all of his past trauma coming back and yeah. just crushing him yeah. with the emotional weight of it all and I, I like that I thought yeah. that was cool which is why I think that reaction when Obi-Wan senses Vader and his entire body shifts and that again silent storytelling as he moves to the window and sees this yeah big giant bad guy coming in and wrecking shit that's, that's the awesome. first time he's seen Darth Vader. Yeah. Because, well, not the first time he's seen Darth Vader, because well, was the last time he seen saw him. Seen him in his clobber. Yeah, yeah he's seen mm-hmm. him without the... Uh, in the his game face on. Of, <laughs> of, <laughs> of Vader. Uh, and so, yeah, that would be a pretty striking image to, to, to anybody. When Vader gets stressed, can we just, while we're speaking of the accoutrement, does he have to go through that shit every time he has a bath? Like, that's extraordinary. <laughs> that's why he's yeah. so angry all it's, the time. I mean, it must be. It must be. Like, that is a lot of hassle to get your is clothes it, on. If he yeah. needs pee-pee. Does he have to? I do imagine that as the well? cod piece just kind of like, is it like, up. A, like there's a flap, or do you think it's like the um, the suits from Dune? <laughs> well, like he that's... just he shits in his costume and <laughs> yeah. just gets recycled, and that's maybe yeah. yeah. So he Vader yeah. is subsisting on his own pee pee and poo poo. Yeah. I'm trying to keep this. I'm trying to keep this PG thirteen. <laughs> it's not a floater in the back to tank, is there? <laughs> but I I <laughs> I couldn't have <laughs> Lord, Lord no! Vader. The, the, <laughs> someone has been. <laughs> 
<laughs> Someone has blocked the toilets once again. Was it you? I I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Do, but be, before we get into the suiting up um, uh-huh. sequence, which was incredible, I think you, you James was just saying about how the prequels had this kind of grand epic sweep, and in this you get ten minutes of Obi Wan and Leia on the back of a truck. But that I feel like lends itself to then the moments of like obi-wan ptsd and that's what this show is able to do that the thing that i admire more now about the prequels is that they are operatic but very detached they are not character films they are quite mechanical films not just in the way that they were made because of the the kind of pioneering digital technology at the time but also it just didn't seem like that was particularly what george was interested in he was interested in the process of how Democracy breaks down and an empire builds. I think that's why the Anakin stuff doesn't <laughs> which, necessarily. Which he was on the money about. He was totally <laughs> right about. <laughs> yeah. you know. Like there is a lot of value in in how he approaches that. With thunderous applause. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the the even the Anakin stuff, Anakin to Vader stuff in Anakin. episode three. Was <laughs> wait for that. <laughs> it's approached from a kind of grand sweep viewpoint i think rather yeah. than a very personal viewpoint and what you get to do in this show in in the sort of storytelling that we're used to nowadays in this kind of series i am loving the fact that this is so characterful mm-hmm. and in the vader fight today and in all sorts of other sequences from these first few episodes like i don't think the action in this is amazing so far this is not in my top however many lightsaber fights no. especially no. on a technical level but the storytelling and the emotional weight that it's all carrying is so so strong and i would take that over technical whiz bangery well, i'm, any I'm day. with you and we've discussed this like in the, the i think the lightsaber fight in return of the jedi and the lightsaber fight in empire strikes back as well as being you know technically good they're not on a level with some of the prequels choreography but yeah. the emotional weight the is emotional there. weight is there but i i feel like i didn't get that from this and i wonder whether it's because i you know there were many things that led up to this that just stupid character decisions that just kind of annoyed me because obi-wan is many things but he's not a fucking idiot but you wouldn't know that from watching this like you know when he accidentally calls her lair in front of the stormtroopers and the fact that they sit down opposite him and he's just Captain Shifty. It's like, what are you doing? Like, they're coming to, they're coming out. So what does he do? He puts his hood up and you're like, mate, you're the only person in the back of that. Who are you hiding from? Yeah. And you looked fine before, but now you look fucking Shifty. Like, it's honestly. The Stormtroopers are going, eh, we are looking for a Jedi. Have you seen anyone who, lo- who looks like a Jedi? Matt, who is dressed as a Jedi? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, there's, there's something in that, I would say. But uh, going back to the fight uh, at the end, I would say that I, I'm largely a fan of Deborah Chow's direction. I think the action has really let this show down. Um, and I think this this lightsaber fight, James is right in a way, because it absolutely is redolent of the Empire battle between Luke and Fader, especially the way that, you know, it turns into a cat and mouse game and Fader starts hiding in the shadows. And that's that's clearly what, what Fader's doing here. But the problem is you can do that in Bespin, you can do it in Cloud City because there are lots of shadows to hide in. Here, there's just dunes. I don't know how... Dunes! (laughs) James loved this episode. (laughs) Uh, I don't know exactly how Fader gets the drop on Obi-Wan, apart from the fact that, you know, if you you consider that Obi-Wan is just shit-scared and is is disconnected from the Force, Mm. isn't attuned to to Fader, 
then that might make sense of it. But but going back real quick, and we'll, we'll maybe discuss that fight a little bit more as we go through the episode chronologically. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, the we're just the, doing it in like Yoda's. Chronology. It's Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, it's Yoda's. It's, Yoda, it's Quentin Tarantino's Star Wars. Yeah. Go back to the beginning. But also the the PTSD thing makes sense to me, and I, I really like the fact that they are digging deep into a character that you know I think even in the prequels, the prequel trilogy was kept r- rather at arm's length, uh, because if you consider where he is at the end of Revenge of the Sith. You know, everything he believes in has been destroyed. His best friend, his mentor, the son he never had, uh, the the brother he never had, you could even argue, has turned on him and burned everything to the ground. There is nothing left. And that would affect someone very, very deeply, I would say. Also, his uh, the, the love of his life has been killed in Clone Wars, a very good animated show, which you have all watched many Hang times. Hang on, Obi-Wan Fox. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> I've forgotten her name. Oh. <laughs> I'm looking her up right oh. now. No, oh, no, no, you do not get <laughs> to look her up. If you were as versed in the animated series as myself it's, and Chris, you would know, of course. It's been a while. It's Penelope. It's Penelope. Yeah. <laughs> Penelope <laughs> Jedi is her name. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to... Oh, Amon. That oh, is why you You do fear. not have the high ground. I do. <laughs> oh, man. And you know, I started watching The Clone Wars. I'm five episodes in. Really? Mm. Oh, How many of those have I'm been Jar ones so far? And disappointingly, none. What? I still stand by my bullshit theory that Jar Jar is going to show up Oh, at some I, I genuinely think this might happen. Really? Yeah. Why do, why do you think? Because whenever I floated it in episode one, everyone pointed at me and scoffed and laughed. And no, me I, the town. I'm beginning to think it might happen. Jar Jar does float in episode one, by the way. <laughs> Where he swims. They all float. <laughs> and when you're down here with me, Ben, you'll float. Lord Vader, they all float down here. <laughs> uh, Duchess yeah. Satine is... Of course. Of course. Of course, as we knew. Yeah, but killed by Darth Maul. Oh, that's yeah. a shame. Spoiler. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, because lots of people, I, I announced on Twitter this week because I, I, I went to Leeds yesterday. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. And I went to Leeds and I uh, downloaded the first season of Clone Wars. And I said, I'm watching Clone Wars. Folks, I'm watching Clone Wars. I'm doing it long last. I'm going to dive in with episode one, Ambush. I got loads of people going, oh, you're going to have a great time. It's going to be amazing. And equally loads of people went, I'd skip the first four seasons if I... <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's some good stuff that happens in those episodes. Some good stuff. Yeah, you're really selling it. I have to say, I'm quite enjoying it so far. I don't think it's something I'm going to dedicate myself to religiously. Like, next week, I don't know how many more episodes of The Clone Wars I will have watched by next week, but maybe I'll have watched a, a season Did you start so. with the Gandhi Tartakovsky ones, or did you skip no, straight ahead to the... I had, uh, I'd actually ones. seen a few of those. Mm, those are good, I've seen all of those. Yeah, because I did the um, the Empire feature, I think. I remember speaking to Gandhi Tartakovsky, and uh, the one and only time I've, I went to the ranch was to interview Matt... Lanter and Ashley Eckstein whenever they were about to launch the Clone Wars show so I went out there and I interviewed them and I got to kick a football around with RTD2 it was was a lot of fun that's cool yeah now Duchess Satine is everyone's great love interest yeah he's been through a whole lot this character but I yeah and that all happened so that's 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 Clone Wars era so that's between two and three yeah okay okay Okay. why do you think Jar Jar is going to show up I just I feel like they're trying to 
not rehabilitate things, but I do, I do think Ahmed Best probably like he he deserves some kind of another shot at this. You know, what mm -hmm. I, mean? I think he, you know, he's a guy who's been through a lot. As a lot of, as I'm sure we'll get onto, as a lot of people do when they enter the Star Wars universe. Then well, this he, is a, I think, a good way of talking a, about. Yeah, Moses so, Ingram. so Moses Ingram has taken an incredible amount of racist shit on social media from Star Wars quote unquote fans. Uh, they're not fans they're fucking but it's the same thing and I talked about this on pilot like, I remember talking to Kelly Marie Tran before uh, uh, Last Jedi and she was just this ball of enthusiasm and then I spoke to her before Rise of Skywalker and she was a shell of her former self because she had been through the fucking ringer and I don't think being in Star Wars was quite what she thought it would be and a lot of it is misogyny and a lot of it is I racism don't understand. it's just fucked up I do not I just I don't understand how people can be fans of this of Star Wars or Star Trek or idolize Batman or Marvel and then just ideologically side with the bad guys. I just don't understand. I know that's really, really simplistic, but I just don't understand how you can completely miss the message of of Star Wars and the message of Star Trek, which is all about togetherness. And, it is, yeah. yeah. Oh, but it's twofold, isn't it? It's, oh, yeah. it's the sense that I think ultimately racist going to be racist is just it, regardless in all walks of life. But also there's a toxicity of fandom ownership where it's like, this is ours and you will not have it. And that tends to be where the misogyny comes in, that somehow they think Star Wars is for boys only. And so they tend to get quite, oh, they're just the worst. Yeah. But then look, Star Wars isn't unique in this case. A lot of fandoms are toxic. So This is true. But I think... What annoys me about not just this, but fandom in general, is that this is now the norm. It's so expected. Like Disney told Moses Ingram when she was cast, this is probably going to happen. You, we, you can expect this to happen. This, none of this was surprising at all. I hate the fact that that is what this has now become, yeah. which is just insane. Um, I do like the fact that Disney have spoken up on their Star Wars mm. accounts, that Ewan McGregor has uh, also made a video commenting on this. But as you say... This is not the first time this has happened. I would have loved if there was the same energy when Kelly Marie Tran was going through what she was going through, when John Boyega was going through what she was going through, even when Daisy Ridley was going through what she was yeah, going she through. Because let's not forget that, exactly, and she got forced offline. I'm glad that she's now confident enough to be back on Instagram. But for a while, that obviously wasn't the case because she was forced offline because yeah. of these fools. So I would have loved there to have been more from Disney at that time. But it's good that we have now seen at least the beginnings of response to this sort of behavior whenever it arises, uh, it's, which is it's good. disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And I'm, I'm glad that they, they did that tweet. I yeah. really am. Uh, you should not, you, you know, being cast in something like this, especially if you, you know, if you, if you've grown up with it, like, you know, we all have, and I'm sure Moses Ingram has, mm -hmm. should be the pinnacle or one of the pinnacles of your career. And you should mm -hmm. not have to think twice about taking on a star war because there's some fucking racist pieces of shit. And it's, it's, abhorrent and disgusting and I know that no one listening to this agrees with that point of view mm -hmm. the other point of view uh, which I'm glad about obviously with what's been happening in the last couple of years as well the people that this has been targeted against there is an additional element of racism and misogyny laced in there as well but having just been at Celebration this weekend the, the sheer amount of love in the mm -hmm. room for Hayden Christensen was a joy to behold and it felt like a reclaiming an apology of all the things that he went through because he was absolutely bashed for, for his role in the prequels as well. His, his and career it, has suffered over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because there was such a horrible response to, yeah. to what he did in those in those films. And it felt like a, a kind of a turnaround of like welcoming Hayden Christensen back. And every time he appeared on stage or was part of something, the, the, the volume of the cheers, you should have heard it. It was incredible and it was beautiful. 
But the thing that that ignores is that all of the same stuff is still happening with all the current Star Wars. It's one thing to go, do you know what? Everyone sort of mistreated Hayden Christensen at the time and it wasn't fair and we should celebrate him and celebrate what he did. But all of that stuff that had been happening is now happening to other people who are kind of new to Star Wars. It's, it, you can't do both. I completely agree. And what makes this <laughs> even more annoying is because Moses Ingram, I mean, I'm about to write more about this, but when it comes to black women in Star Wars, their track record is awful. <laughs> Moses Ingram finally playing a black woman who feels like she's an essential part of the story. This should be like a landmark moment for not just her, but a lot of black girls watching and to have it be tainted to a point by all these people, not just for Moses Ingram, but for everybody watching is very frustrating. I saw Scott Weinberg, the excellent film and pop culture journalist, okay. tweet today that it's not just confined to Star Wars. There, there was, there's, uh, he said, a prominent pop culture YouTuber who obviously I, I don't know, I don't keep up in, on YouTube and what's happening in there. Uh, I'm only just getting over the fact that gramophones are no longer in existence. But uh, he said a prominent YouTuber posted a rant in which he used the, the phrase MCU, which is something I've only just learned is a thing that there are dickheads out there who uh, who have appropriated the, the term MCU and turned it into MCU. Uh, this as, is the first time hearing of this. Yeah, uh, as, as a pejorative because they are appalled by the amount of women who now have prominence in the MCU. And they feel so threatened by these tiny, petty, bitter, and it have to be said, mostly white men who say this sort of shit. I think that's one of the things that I really admired so much and loved about uh, how much young Leia is a part of this show mm, in particular yeah. and what they're doing with that because I think her character is totally justified in being there. I think it's brilliantly written and, and really well performed. Yeah. I think they're doing a great job with that. Vivian Lara Blair. She, great job. She was, she's so good. And as much as I'm really enjoying this show, there was a, a, a small part of me that was slightly dreading this show because it feels like it's possibly slightly pandering to some of the the d darker recesses of the Star Wars underbelly. Obviously, that's not the, the kind of complete picture, but I'm, there is a little bit of an element of that, of, of kind of pandering to that side of the fandom. In what way? In the way that I think personally, in my experience, I think quite a bit of the toxicity that I've seen against especially the sequels in terms of bits of of casting and, and who those characters are has come from people who are very very pro prequels but use that in opposition to everything else and and taking things back to it being about obi-wan about kind of legacy characters in a way that as much as the sequels included the legacy characters in there it was still primarily a story about especially Rey, but also Kylo Ren and Poe Dameron and Finn, uh, this kind of diverse array mm -hmm. of characters. Mm -hmm. So there is something slightly, potentially just very slightly backwards looking in terms of telling this Obi-Wan show. But the fact that they have made young Leia having the secondary character be a young girl that is a sort of implicit way of saying this is this is this show is for little girls as well this is for everyone this isn't just for people who grew up on the prequels or this isn't just for mm. a certain section of the fandom this is about and for everyone mm. yeah. um i mm. think there's a real kind of 
power and stance in that. Yeah. Plus, Young Lei is fucking great. (laughs) She is great. I think with characters like that, with characters like Reva, they're definitely going the right way. Honestly, when I think of pandering in Star Wars, the thing that immediately comes to mind is Kelly Marie Tran and The Rise of Skywalker. Um, anytime I think of that film, I think about Kelly Marie Tran and how she was treated, and then it just goes everything. everything. Just take a leaf out of my book, Amon. Just try not to think about that film at all. Yeah, I'm sorry, Ben, but <laughs> literally watched it on the plane home yesterday. Oh my gosh, um, still really like it. That is just that is where you fail. <laughs> that was the worst kind of pandering with the characters they got uh, in this show with Riva with. Uh, a young lay and the focus that those characters are getting even Indira Varma's uh, Tala. 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 even Indira Varma's <laughs> I know she clearly made an impression <laughs> she was good even mm-hmm. even Indira Varma's uh, Tala um, playing the role that uh, she plays here and I want to talk about I want to talk about her more actually because she plays a very interesting role in Obi-Wan's story given that I feel like a lot of Obi-Wan's story is learning to trust others again and learning that there are other people in the universe and the galaxy who's still willing to do the right thing even though the Empire has done what they've done. It's really interesting because Kamal Nanjiani was that character in the first couple, in the, in the second episode, but he goes into this one thinking that nobody's going to come, this is a trap, I'm still I mean, not going to trust. I, I, his logic's flawed there, it has to be said, because yeah. if Kamal Nanjiani was going to trap him, he would have trapped him yeah. on Deu. <laughs> he would have he would have trapped him there, wouldn't yeah. he? Rather than just send him yeah. to another planet it's to get into another trap. Yeah, mm. yeah. But then it speaks to Obi Wan's present um, state of mind in that he's so yeah. you know untrusting. Well, he's paranoid because he's ripped to the tits on spice. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think you're really getting the sense here that the planet that they go to. I like how you're just getting a general sense of like the the Empire being just out and about and yeah. mining resources and hey that's a kind of sleepy place and they're just trying to take well stuff from, from Ventrum, I believe the it was yeah. but the Empire has a presence there and if something looks suspicious then stormtroopers will be on the way and it's all very connected I like how you're just seeing some of the everyday impact of the Empire and also kind of a bit of stuff about colonialism in there that the mm-hmm. Empire is going out and stripping resources and kind of destroying cultures and harming people in those communities. I'm beginning to think the Empire may not be all that, folks. <laughs> well, I was discussing uh, this episode with uh, Sophie Petzal at Sonic underscore screw up on Twitter. And she pointed out to me that Jabim, which is where the, which is the planet which uh, Obi-Wan and Leia go to, uh, that in, in the comics, uh, which are canon, I believe, he was captured by uh, Ventress, who was a Sith apprentice. I know a Sarge Ventress. Okay, I'm just, I, you haven't watched the Clone Wars, so I'm just checking. Bold lady, um, two, two lightsabers. lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. Very good people. Two lightsabers, no waiting. That's right. <laughs> good knowledge. Ventress captured Obi-Wan on this planet and tortured him for several issues. So. Yeah, see, for several issues. Not instantly, not quickly, drew it out, knew what she was doing. <laughs> But that's where they're going next, presumably. That's where he's going next, certainly because he's been a bit... Um, not He hasn't had the full Anakin treatment at the end of this episode. Anakin. Which is clearly... Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I quite... Not, I don't admire what Fader did to him at the end of this episode, but it clearly shows this man's been holding on to a grudge for 10 years. He's on some <laughs> petty shit right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, you burn me, I burn you. Yeah. He's got beef. <laughs> he really did burn beef. Oh, I wonder what, what, what burning Obi-Wan smells like. What do we taste like? What do you think Obi-Wan could we taste like? No, do not engage. Tastes no. like chicken. Engage Helen O'Hara mode. Tastes Your like monster. chicken. Yes! <laughs> there you go. Say it, say it, say it. 
yes. Anyway, uh, so he gets scorched. He gets scorched and singed at the end, but he's off. He's he's off to Jabim with Tala, whose name I definitely remember and did not write down. Uh, <laughs> who, I, who I quite liked. And again, there's someone that we haven't really seen because Finn is obviously a stormtrooper mm-hmm. who turns to the, it becomes part of the resistance, mm-hmm. but that's almost by accident in mm-hmm. a way. Whereas this is someone who has, is an in, a double agent, an insider, a mole. We haven't really seen that unless I'm... Well, we had literally yeah, seen a mole because Molly from Wind in the Willows was the one driving the truck. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, could, it could only have been more on the nose if he was literally a rat. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. Ran them out. So we um, think that was uh, Zach Braff because Zach Braff's credited, yeah. but we don't know... It, it is Zach Braff, yeah. It is Zach Braff, yeah, because he's the one who, who sounds like Zach Braff. Indeed, <laughs> yes, that's the giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> What Dr. Cox would make of this, I have, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, um, so that was good. So anyway, they're off to Jabim. So, uh, which is my point that I made last week, which I think that each episode is going to take us to a new planet by and large. And they can never trace back Obi-Wan Kenobi's steps to Tatooine. That is very, very important. So whatever happens at the end of this, I don't think we're going to be landing back in Tatooine until the very, very end. You say no back. more Snoot Horse until chapter <laughs> six. <laughs> Listen, what will you do? Ben, what will you I've, do? I've been catastrophically wrong about most things so far. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there's yeah. every chance that next week is a big old Tatooine fuckfest. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> the finale is 100 percent can have Jar Jar storming in riding a snoot horse. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely what's happening. You will hear my cheers all the way from South London. I would lose my shit so <laughs> much. It's me. <laughs> It's gonna happen. It's James gonna James's happen. Jar Jar Binks is a thing of absolute beauty. I forget the discussion the rest of the episode. James, say more things as Jar Jar Binks. Oh, dear oh dear. He's a liking this. <laughs> Juba. <laughs> What is happening? Oh, dear Lord. Oh, this is amazing. I have to go back to, I want to talk about seating arrangements. So, I don't understand the the logic behind Darth Vader's throne room. Who the fuck is he entertaining? Like, it seems the most (laughs) impractical room. Like, why are you sitting alone in this fucking great lava planet on this throne, which looks incredibly uncomfortable, and you've got to imagine that he's got back issues after everything he went through. I just honestly, just... I, I don't understand lazy boy. why cushion. you would build your massive yeah, I know. fortress I know. on the place where your mentor yeah. cut off your arms and legs, <laughs> burned you, and then left you for dead. But this also speaks to the pettiness yeah. of, of what he, how he treated Obi Wan in this episode. I love that he's just like he's trapped there mentally and physically, stewing in every day. Place. But I, the I loved being back on Mustafar. Oh mm. my god, it felt that felt really epic to me. That felt. Did I, I think it did. <laughs> he has the high ground and he built a great big fucking castle yeah, on it. That's why it's on the top of a cliff. I will always have the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I, those shots of, of Vader in his in his throne room, in his kind of lonely but stark palace, like that says so much about the character His fortress as well. of solitude. His fortress of solitude. <laughs> but he is... He is lord of all there, but he's Locking also... Locking the toilet every five seconds. <laughs> he's also alone and trapped in this like horrible f- pits of hell. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I love that stuff. It, I think this show feels the most movie-like of any Star Wars show. Definitely the so first episode did, and I think we talked about this. I have found the second who have not felt that to me. I, th- I still but think the these first one was, yeah. Really well shot by Jung Hoon Chung. Yeah. But I... I think sometimes some of the shots, some of the things are thrown away a little bit. I don't quite get why. 
So this was this has been building up to Obi Wan sparking up his lightsaber for three episodes now, and he has a chance to do it in that very first confrontation with Vader when, mm-hmm. when they see each other on the sand, and he doesn't do it then. So I thought oh, we're going to get a big heroic moment when he mm. finally goes and you know I'm going to I'm going to face down this motherfucker. Mm. And he doesn't. It just kind of happens. It almost feels like he's accidentally turned it on. Maybe that would be quite funny if he'd cut off his own hand. Whoa, shit! <laughs> you know. But it does feel a little bit... I don't know whether Deborah Chow is deliberately trying to ground this stuff and is really not trying to like give us those big heroic moments. But then that also chars a little bit because we get really lovely cinematic moments like Reva walking through the... You know, the uh, Inquisit- in- in- Inquis- Inquisitorius or Inquisitorius, I believe. Let's call the it the fortress. Inquisitorium. Inquisitorium. <laughs> oh, uh, on Nur, which I totally didn't Google. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, so there's, there's lovely moments where you get to see the director making choices and, you know, very deliberate camera placement. And then there are things like that that feel almost like an afterthought or accidental. And I'm, I'm a bit confused by some of that stuff. Both of the saber ignition shots for me, I literally went, ooh, mm. on my own, <laughs> on my sofa at home. Yeah. Like, I honestly thought they were both great. I thought okay. the, um, especially the, well, the, I think the Vader one feels more dramatic. The yeah. Vader one feels like a real kind of, ooh, powerful Vader moment. The Obi-Wan moment doesn't feel like a heroic haha I'm stepping up with my lightsaber because I really feel like he's just not there he's not in that place at all but the the visual portrayal of that where he is standing in the dark in the quarry and then the Mm. only light source is the lightsaber igniting and and kind of the glowing blue that really gave me chills it really did Mm. I I have to say there's one thing I thought was really interesting about this episode which is how tense I felt all the way through it given that our hero is wreathed in plot armor. You know, you know this is this is Better Call Saul, but for Star Wars, uh, in a way. This is, this is Better Call Obi-Wan. Uh, it would have been work, work better if it would be Better Call better Maul, call but <laughs> Better Call Maul would okay, be better, yeah. but, you know, but hey-ho. Um, but it is. We know that he is going to survive. We know that he's going to end up in Tatooine. I think this episode, the end of the episode, by the way, where he does get burned and singed, is beginning to go a little bit of a way towards explaining why he ages the way he does. <laughs> I think they're really going to put oh, him through the ringer. Please don't do a Palpatine one. where he's like, oh, <laughs> he suddenly goes from Im and Dim into masses of prosthetics because reasons. You're like, what? Yeah. Oh. No, I'm I'm not so sure they're going to do quite that. Unlimited power. <laughs> I don't think they're quite going to go down that route, but I think he's, you know, the, the hard yarns I talked about with Joby Harold and uh, Deborah Chow in the preview podcast we put up just before the show aired. I think this is the hard yards in a way. So he's wreathed in plot armor. We know he's going to survive that. We know he's going to turn into Alec Guinness in some, at some point in the next nine, ten years uh, of the show. And yet, I did find myself just tense throughout the because the show nicely layers in all these moments Lays. where he could layers in the all these moments where he could be found out the first confrontation with the stormtroopers the, the second confrontation with the stormtroopers his panic attack on because it is essentially a panic attack when he sees the the, the the specter of Anakin and he and the camera goes a bit wibbly wobbly around him that's a technical term look it up and <laughs> you know and then obviously seeing Fader and when he sees Fader for the first time you're going okay well, I know he gets out of this I know he does logically He's going to survive this. But I'm still kind of nervous for the guy because I don't know what's going to happen now. And that's a good place to be, I think. And doesn't that just tell you that the dramatic and emotional stuff is working because you're in his headspace. Yeah. We know that he gets out of this, but he doesn't know that he gets out of this. It's and we're, and we're reacting point. Yeah. with him 
as he sees Vader for the first time. It feels like yeah. we're seeing Vader for the first time. We're feeling mm. that kind of, yeah. that that power and that terror. That's exactly my point. I said that whenever Infinity War got criticism, it was like, oh, how can the end of Infinity War work when we know these characters are going to come back in Endgame or, you know, or you know, it's already been a Spider-Man sequel announced and we know they're working on it. Well, Peter Parker doesn't know he's coming back. T'Challa doesn't know he's coming back. It works, <laughs> therefore it works, for, I, it works I, in that way. <laughs> You know how I have issues about this, but I don't want to turn this into an Infinity War uh, podcast. Everything turns into an Infinity War podcast. <laughs> um, run from it. Everything turns into an Infinity War podcast. Mention all it. The same. Yeah. What about that bit where Thor turns up on Wakanda? You like that, don't you? Well, we can talk about there that. We, we can talk about that. Now, with the Obi-Wan Vader battle, the one thing I think would have made it more effective is for them not to have interspersed it with other stuff. I feel like, to James's point, that is an event that you want to really focus on for like, Three, four minutes on end and the fact that they kept cutting in between stuff made it a little less effective for me I think they were obviously trying to ape the fact that that is Lucas's always was Lucas's way he liked to intercut you know in the first one it's intercut mm -hmm. with one battle mm -hmm. and the second one is intercut mm -hmm. with two sequences and the third one is intercut with three sequences <laughs> you know it, it, it's, yeah. it's obviously it is a thing but yes, I, I think you're right, and it is a slight issue that to go from what should be epic to an irritating child running through a tunnel <laughs> <laughs> is maybe not brilliant. She's so good. Is she though, Ben? She's so is she good. though? I will grant you in this one, I wanted to throw off a building marginally less than I did in the previous episode. So I'm growing a certain amount of tolerance to her. But the thing that annoys me is she has great lines and she has very precocious lines, but it is abundantly clear that the actress playing it doesn't have the first fucking clue what those lines mean or doesn't really understand what she's saying. So you don't get the weight of them from the performance and that irritates me a little Engage bit. Engage Helen mode, you're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally disagree. I feel like she does. I feel like it's not just that she's saying kind of great precocious things in a very layer way. I feel like she, you get the sense that she does know what it all means and she is the smartest person in the room and the way that she the way that she burned her cousin was even greater than the way that Vader burned Obi-Wan you can almost see her reading the cue cards when she no. does yes. no, I, no say, I'm, I'm, I am being obviously unnecessarily harsh she, no I don't think she, I don't think she's it's a genuinely terrible performance I think ultimately it's a result of her age but um, I, I I found that in the second episode in particular I did I, I did not I, enjoy I her couldn't I, have, couldn't have, <laughs> I couldn't deal with her this one I found it was not so problem. In fact, I was warming to her relationship with Obi Wan in this one a lot more. Uh, more to the point, where I thought that like like he seemed like his behaviour was quite erratic. Like he was losing his rag with her at the drop of hat. And I was like, that is terrible parenting. Even though you are not her parent, it's like calm the fuck down. You've been a bellend. I, I think all that is absolutely authentic. Yeah, I, yeah. Because he's emotional volatility. Yeah. is coming from the places and yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The way he snaps at her, mm. but also mm. I thought I thought some of their scenes were really really lovely. If you if you ignore the fact that Freck could have. Just dobbed them into the first set of stormtroopers. Babu Freck. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've broken the record for bad impressions on, <laughs> on this podcast alone, haven't we? But uh, Freck could have dobbed them into the first set of stormtroopers, but the fact that he doesn't allows Obi Wan to do that slip with, with yeah. Leia. And the fact and cover, that she, he recovers well, he recovers well, but she helps him out enormously. And yeah. I, I, I really do like the way that she is written. Yeah, uh, I, I, like I, I, I know you have quibbles with the performance. I have fewer quibbles with the performance than you do. Um, but I think she's really, really well written. You can absolutely see that this young girl will grow up to become Leia Organa in 10 years' time. Mm. Because she, everything about her, she's so prepossessed. She's the one who comes up with the cover names. She's the one who comes up with the cover stories. She's the one who can, she's very perceptive. She can see through people and she, 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 can, she can almost see into them. You know, so whenever there's that lovely exchange with Obi-Wan, when he talks about, you know, I look in your, your face and I see the face of your mother. And, and she's like, mm. you, you can see mother. the pain 
suddenly you can see in, in, in that moment the pain of this young girl who, you, who yes, has her parents in a loving environment on, on Alderaan, but knows that she's adopted, doesn't know who her real parents mm. are. And I thought that was just a beautiful exchange. Are you my real father? And there was a tenderness there that I thought was very, very unnecessary. I love that there continues to be all these references to Padme. I like yeah. keeping her. Padme. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I. <laughs> that is part of what I think the value of this show is. I think that's why this show feels surprisingly necessary is because as we've said, or as I said, the prequels don't, the, the, the character level isn't the strongest level that those films yeah, operate on. True. Mm. And so to have this show that can lend extra weight to the characters, it, it can bring those characters or those actors back and let them, like, after this, I feel even more strongly towards Padme now than I ever have done because of how Obi-Wan speaks about Padme in this show. Not how they interact in those prequels. But, like, I feel like what they're doing with this show already is lending extra weight and extra emotional resonance to everything that came before. I think they're doing a really good job with that. Uh, as much as, to an extent, maybe we'll have to see how everything ties up to what extent as james says they are pissing in the swimming pool of just <laughs> maybe slightly tweaking or ignoring or bending little bits of continuity but for i think the emotional gains that we're going to get out of that feel very worth it i me. hope so i do hope so i mean i live in hope that that, that will happen a new hope a new yeah hope. Yes. <laughs> yeah all right so we take some questions let's okay. can I ask oh, one quick thing first yeah can okay. I, 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 from now on whenever i want anyone to do anything i'm just going to say initiate protocol 23 not just <laughs> get the droid seeing as you're my boss this is going to get very annoying very quickly ben, ben initiate protocol 23 ben. every protocol is 23 what do you want me to do ben rather loud than order 66 <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's when you know I've, I've got serious. Yes. Uh, all right. So here's some questions. We've got a lot of questions. So let's try and blast through them. We don't have a lot of time left. Uh, at John C six six six, do tunnels in Star Wars work differently, <laughs> where two people can enter the tunnel in the same place and end up in the same exit point without ever meeting in the middle? <laughs> if, 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 if say one is a ten year old child running at a very slow speed and the other is an inquisitor who should be faster, also how did Indira Farmer Tala? Not run into Riva. Mm. I thought it was a web of tunnels. I yeah. thought it wasn't just a singular tunnel. I thought there were a branches coming tunnels. out of that. Mm. that it, it didn't bump on me when I was watching it that like it was a singular tunnel and that they'd all just meet in the middle. Okay. And uh, obviously the cliffhanger uh, ending of this week's episode is that Riva has got her hands on Leia. Well, no, she hasn't. Because Leia turns around and legs it back down the tunnel. <laughs> and as you know, no one can catch her when she's running. So This is the way that she is demonstrating her early force yeah, sensitivity. 100%. She's got the force speed down. She's I like the, guarantee the next episode is just like 40-odd minutes of like Benny Hill style running through these corridors with her just chasing after her. It's just her and Flea. That is the whole <laughs> cast of the next episode. Yeah. Enter Flea mode. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a fine line between Leia's bravery and incompetence um, <laughs> and uh, yeah I hope they stray on the right side of that in future so Reva's gonna get Leia presumably take her to somewhere maybe Nur and then Obi-Wan's gonna heal up for a little bit and then go into the fray once more it'll be really interesting to see if Leia gets any face time with 
Vita. I don't think they've invented no, they FaceTime. FaceTime no. in the, it's in the past. It's a long yeah. time ago. If it's a long time ago, yeah, maybe, way before maybe Apple. Skype. Yeah. See. It would definitely I mean, Skype. They have to send they have to send out probe droids yeah. into the galaxy to take pictures of people. That's how <laughs> and then it faxes it over. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do always shut off the Wi-Fi. It's like the first thing they do when they're hunting for everyone. Um <laughs> I can see see the thing that the, another thing that kind of bugs me is like if Reva actually reported to Vader her plan, which was, I'm going to kidnap this child of this senator who has a relationship with Obi-Wan, which, and let's be clear here, works. What happens for the next eight years? So they just, Vader just forget that it worked once. Like, Leia will go back to Bail or Gartner yeah. and hang out. It's like, Vader said, well, you know, it worked once. Why don't we kidnap her again? And then I can find <laughs> Obi-Wan. Like, that doesn't make any sense. In fairness, that's what works at the beginning of A New Hope. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It is true. It rose about again. He's just forgotten about it. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Every, the Sith are fucking useless. They really every now and again. Bumbling in They just stumble upon a plan that works. And then one thing that, that did, which I did, which I did know on a subconscious level but I rather liked being pointed out here when, he's, when it's like hashtag not all Imperials where uh, where everyone's like you know oh I like I like some Imperials like your dad he's doing a great job you know, and you think oh shit that's true because Bail Organa and Leia are Imperials they're members of the Imperial Senate yes. so they're actually part of the Empire and that's something that I kind of knew but had I guess sidelined and the, the whole thing with uh, Tala in the episode as well where she's saying I signed up but this isn't what I signed up for I didn't know what I was signing up for that there is a an outward appearance of what the Empire is doing, but the actual inner workings of all the other stuff the Empire is doing might be slightly different things. Yeah. Mm. There's one Reva Vader thing that bothered me. Not bothered me, but like I, I like the fact that early on, early on in the episode, we see that she has a direct line to Vader. That mm. seemed something that was quite exclusive. And then the fifth brother... Or Han Solo. <laughs> the Inquisitor played by <laughs> Sun Kang. Uh, yes, Han Solo, as you say. Um also says that he spoke to Vader. Sounds like that immediately makes what Viva did less special and exclusive. Yeah, they both got his Skype number. That's clearly what the problem is. Okay, enough now. That is truly John Williams' greatest work. Um, but I, I'm really liking this other layer, layer of the show. It's a layer cake. In the... The, this within the Inquisitors, they're all like power hungry, and they all want to be the one who who gets Obi Wan or who solves the thing. They're all like working together, but they're also all working against each it's other. Like it's like, like, it's like the Apprentice. Yeah. It's, it's, jet, it's the Dark Apprentice. Yes, yeah, so here's, here's, here's a much more topical reference in mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to say Star Wars Succession. Everyone yeah, I mean it's all of these things. Yeah, <laughs> and especially Reva within that. I, I I'm really enjoying Reva as a character. She has. Kylo Ren energy of somebody who is just like kind of desperate and erratic but also very powerful and she is trying so desperately to like grasp onto any power that she can mm. um, she be I, the shiv in this particular analogy <laughs> look sir Roy's did anyone notice that when the stormtroopers are banging on the door the droid shut they go open up in there and it's the same yes. intonation as I'm yeah. waiting for someone to bang his head. I want yeah. that. I want that to be a six-part Disney <laughs> Plus spin-off series. The concussed stormtrooper. Yeah. Or the bloke who says in Return of the Jedi, you rebel scum. You uh, rebel scum. You rebel scum. <laughs> At Scott Clark 8, uh, with Leia... Leia? Leia? Who the fuck is Leia? <laughs> with Leia and Fader on the same planet, weren't we led to believe that he would know that she was his daughter when they were in close proximity to each other. Feels like it's a major flaw. I don't think we've ever been led to believe that. No. Uh, mm -hmm. Because they are in very close proximity to each other in Star Wars. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, Darth Vader. 
Only you could be so. She doesn't say, "Oh, Darth Vader." Oh, Darth Vader. <laughs> oh, Darth Vader. <laughs> Darth Vader. Only you could be so bold. Mm. She says, and then he goes, "Hang on, you're my daughter." <laughs> she knows I'm bold. She knows what I'm like under the helmet. <laughs> At Daniel underscore Woodrow is Reva motivated to become Grand Inquisitor and therefore presumably be closer to Vader so that she can kill him. I don't think Reva wants to kill Vader. She's trying to gain his favor. I don't think that's in the cards. And I, I initially, before the whole Grand Inquisitor thing came up, I thought that uh, she wanted Vader to train her. But clearly, that's. I'd say. I mean, I, I myself am clearly a fan of the animated series. But I'm on, mm-hmm. so, so the Grand Inquisitor was a Grand Inquisitor, not the Grand Inquisitor, and that the Chase Noise is, is a different Paul. That is correct. Yes. Do we know that for sure, though? I mean, we're guessing. I'm going to give it the Amon guarantee, which yeah. basically means yes. No. A different, a different <laughs> <Inquisitor>. okay. <laughs> yeah, now that's the sense that I'm getting. Do all Inquisitors keep their fucking lightsabers way up between their shoulder blades in the most impractical position <laughs> imaginable? Not all, but some. Some of them use it as a uh, device to fly. To spin the helicopter. Oh my God. Yeah. And you wonder why I don't watch the anime. Oh, goodness <laughs> sake. They go full Inspector Gadget and start flying. Oh, Jesus. Five Christ. episodes in, Jimbo. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh, the, the clone troopers are all in it and they're voiced by uh, a guy who's doing a terrible uh, <laughs> Antipodean accent. Because I can't tell whether it's meant to be Australian, which it shouldn't be because Tamura Morrison's from New Zealand. Yep. But it's more Australian than New Zealand and then sometimes it's neither. So it's really interesting. Also, there are loads of droids in it. You know I love my droids. Roger, Roger. It's lots of humor like that I can't shoot him it might, must be my programming but they fit, like like they fit that for, in fact because I, 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 re, I reviewed the original uh, Clone Wars movie and that was my, my whole point not, which, I think, which is not great uh, well I was just like the, the, the I felt like no no the, um, uh, the, the one from 2008 movies. yeah the straight okay. up yeah. movie but I thought the those uh, battle droids had found their tone like they'd found their natural fit in this kind of kid friendly show that didn't quite work in the prequels Roger Roger <laughs> at Cantonaz Ghost does the fact that when Fader uses the same murder innocence to draw the Jedi tactics as the Inquisitors but without the theatrics and when he's forced dispensing poetic justice to Kenobi with little emotional expression, is this meant to symbolize he's much more machine now than man? No, he's incompetent. If he'd managed to draw him out, he would, as I've said, have tortured people properly. But he did <laughs> draw him out enough to sense where Obi-Wan might be going and then followed him and then... No, I think we've established that, that he just waits and then sprints round the dunes. <laughs> that's what he does. And that's why he's in the right place. Like He can do the 100 meters like a motherfucker. Oh, James... <laughs> Only you could be so bold <laughs> as to want someone to torture somebody more effectively. <laughs> look, look, Sith happens. I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, do it properly. K. McNulty Muck is Obi-Wan's brother. Obi-Wan's brother. Yes, Chekhov's brother. I wondered about this. Going to factor into the plot. Even if not, who would you cast? I mean, just before we get into that, I thought this side of the episode was really, really brilliantly done as well. Like, Leia questioning who her biological family would be. I'd never really thought about the fact that Obi-Wan would have been taken from his family and, and talking about the, the memories that he would have as a child of of his mother's shawl. And he thinks he had a brother, but he doesn't know. And all of that stuff, I was like, oh, I feel... It, this is really an aspect of lore I'm not familiar with. the Jedi routinely abducting children? Was this a thing? Well, I think so, because that's obviously that's kind of what they did with Anakin as well, didn't they? Mm-hmm. they were Anakin, like, you, you can yeah. come with us, we can train you, but you've got to leave your mum I feel now. like that was a special case. I don't think no. it was. No. Yeah, but like, because he what... tried to free Shmi at the time. And, Shmi! Shmi! Yeah. Uh, but was unable to. So it's not like he deliberately was like, oh, so we're leaving your family behind. And I know they don't like attachment. I do know that. 
But, but I think they could have freed Shmi, but still been Shmi. like, we're taking the boy. <laughs> they, 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 it yeah. doesn't mean she could be free and just live a free life. I mean, on Luke the is interesting, and, and to a lesser extent, Ray. But Luke is interesting because Luke is someone that they deliberately leave until he's much older than most young Jedi are. The most Jedi are when they when they are taken to start training as Jedi. So I think you're you're quite young. You're maybe five, maybe six. Something like that. Again, someone's yelling at going, You idiot! It is said quite explicitly <laughs> in episode five of series four of the Blip Blip that, you know. But. <laughs> Mom's shaking his head. He's like, You motherfuckers. <laughs> for, for Mom's me. like, That's not what I sound like. <laughs> <laughs> you, haven't mentioned, you haven't mentioned your man, you know, the Jedi that looks like I'm... someone out of Spinal Tap. Like who that I mentioned one. at the beginning, Quinlan Voss. That's it. Quinn, who can forget? Quinlan Who Voss. can forget Quinlan Voss? Among you don't even have to tell me that Quinlan Voss was a male <laughs> kiff-armed Jedi master who lived during the final days of the Galactic Republic, hailing from the planet Kifu. He was a maverick within the Jedi Order and garnered a reputation for bending the rules. He was renowned for his retrocognition, perceiving others' memories when touching objects they had touched. Which is an ability that uh, we get to see in Jedi Fallen Order, as you all know, because Cal Kestis has the same ability um, but yes um, Obi-Wan knows Quinlan because in an episode season 3 episode 9 to be precise <laughs> of, of the blip blip, the blip, blip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Quinlan and Obi-Wan teamed up to hunt Cad Bane another one of them uh, who can forget Jeff. that brilliant character <laughs> he was he was blue he had he was blue uh, tubes he in was, his he got killed um, he might still be alive, apparently. Oh, we can so. only hope. <laughs> I mean, that again felt like Chekhov's Jedi smuggling path. Like, yeah. uh, oh, Quinlan was here. Hearing that other Jedi <laughs> will have gone through that, obviously they've named Quinlan, who we all know and love. Um, <laughs> but that also feels like a potential path to maybe seeing some other Jedi in yes. this show. Uh, I mean, there's been talk for a while about potentially Cal Kestis popping up from. Mm. Jedi Fallen Order. His story is very much about him running away from the Inquisitors. Run um, away! I just, but honestly, if you're going to go through an underground railroad and get smuggled, like, don't leave fucking Jedi graffiti all over the place. Like it feels a little incriminating. <laughs> Jedi was here. Yeah, <laughs> literally. It might be, so I'm going to draw the Jedi symbol in massive, like you know, relief on this. Really, like what, <laughs> what, what part of it, on the run? Do you not understand? What does it say, Ben? It says. Fuck you, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. This I wank bio bone. <laughs> Toy Story 2 was okay. Roger, Roger. <laughs> it was actually, I think you found Orabash for Rise of Skywalker is a big pile of shit. <laughs> Incorrect. Come in. Uh, only when your eyes are closed can you truly see. And of course, ironically, you wouldn't be able to read that if your eyes were closed. So isn't that ironic? It's like rain on your wedding day. It's like three thousand spoons when all you need is a knife. <laughs> oh dear Lord. Right, we've got to wrap this up and we've already done three questions. Um let's have a couple of questions. We haven't even talked about the brother. The brother. Who's the brother? Have, do we know that Obi Wan had a brother? Well, I d I don't think we did. I didn't that, know that he had a brother. Me neither. This information hasn't come up before, has no. it? Is it, is it yeah. new? I don't know. It's probably in like episode ninety six of the blah blah. But uh I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't know. I, did, I did not know about, you know, Keith Kenobi. That, this is a new character to me. My middle name's Keith. <laughs> yeah, you, in fact, Obi-Wan's lost brother. Yes. Yes, I am. That is what I'm saying. Obi-Wan, my brother from another mother. 
Mr. Chris underscore T, I'm just trying to get through these real quick. <laughs> Uh, is Obi-Wan Kenobi out of practice or just unwilling to use his mind trickiness? See, see I was thinking about this. The more I thought about this, because I, I, it, it irritates me the way that he's not used any of the skills that could have got him out of all of these situations. And I wonder whether it's less out of practice and more kind of result of kind of this repressed trauma. Like, he's, I think his mental health is fucked. Yep. That's a technical term. And, and I think, you know, <laughs> he's lost his connection to the Force because he's essentially fractured a little bit. Yeah, I think it's more his his composure that he's lost. That he all of the the stillness and the focus mm. that you would learn as a Jedi, he has been out of that for ten years and been living and probably not really working through a lot of trauma. Yeah. And I think being faced with that, while also being kind of out of shape and out of practice, and also yeah, having all of those abilities of hey, let's tune everything else out and be one with the force he's he's so far away from that at the moment it felt like in that fight he was just doing the the bare minimum to be able to survive which felt kind of true for where he would be at right mm. now and I, I like that that they got that thing that vader does in very much an empire structure where vader's physical strength is prodigious and obviously he's gone from like whiny bitch anakin to vader very very quickly but i, I imagine it's, it's cybernetics isn't it more than yeah. yeah yeah having massive robot arms <laughs> i mean it helps yeah i think there'll be more opportunities for the force to be used when you know he's in really dire straits there's no other option but if he can rely on his uh, blaster to get him out of situations he will at this point i think mm -hmm. we can all agree if obi-wan finds himself in dire straits then the show has gone very much off the rails. <laughs> just while we're talking about um vader with no arms and, and now robot arms and stuff we, we've sort of skipped past the vader suiting up sequence from the beginning of this episode which mm. i'm just going to go out and say for me instantly feels like an all-time great star wars sequence oh i thought <laughs> i hate you so much it gives me energy that, that's oh. like everything about that of him slowly being pieced together and every bit of armor being put on and that shot where it is his upper torso with the arms like fully cut off and oh and it's face as the mask is going down was uh, incredible did you not like that no why i just it just felt wrong it didn't work for me there's no. two great pendulous things huge great clamps that come down to remove two little hoses from his back and it was just like i, I yeah it felt very try hard it, that sequence did to me, it made I, me and i didn't enjoy it it made me wonder how portable fader is <laughs> Well, for sleepovers and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> because obviously he goes from Mustafar to Mapuzo, Mario Puzo, that's how I remember, Mapuzo in, in, in the customary Star Wars blink of an eye. But can he, yeah, can he do sleepovers? Can he do pajama parties? Or is it like, I've got to go now and plug myself in for a little bit. <laughs> I need to charge, I'm on low power. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Here's on. one thing we can agree on with Vader. How great is it to hear James Earl Jones' voice in this oh, car? Yes. Oh, yes. 100%. I worried about that because I thought, are they going to get one? Because obviously you get different people in the games doing Vader, but it's never the same. They're never Jones. Yep. And it's just like, oh, he needs to live forever because <laughs> Star Wars kind of has to stop if anything happens yeah, to James Earl yeah. Jones. Yeah. I am what you made me. Great line. Great delivery. Yeah. And, and such an emotionally brutal line as well. I am mm. what you made me. From a certain point of view. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of certain point of viewing yeah. going on. <laughs> in this not moment. taking responsibility for your own actions there, mate. Mm -mm. He never does, does no, he? he doesn't. He's such a fucking dickhead. Yeah. Lack of self-awareness. Mm. Shocking. The what have you become line could easily apply to Obi-Wan as much as it applies to Vader as well. Mm. Do we think this is the last we'll see? Uh, a couple of people have asked this of Obi-Wan versus Vader or do you think we'll get one more dust up? No, uh, we'll get one more. We'll get another one. 
I, I think I feel like they said in the run up to it that we'll get more than one Vader Obi Wan lace of a fight. I feel like we've we've and surely that's what this is all leading up to again. I feel like this also felt like the small reintroductory fights between them. Uh, that we will then get a rematch mm. later in the series where Obi-Wan is a bit more with And it. has yep. to defeat him, technically, because then you have to have that, you know, when I left you, I was but the learner, now I am the master, because he's, mm. he, he's implying that he's had growth during that period. So you feel that Obi-Wan was very outmatched here, but in the next fight, maybe that won't be the case. Mm. It was pointed out that um, in the films, uh, when you see the helmet removed, Darth Vader has a scar. Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't have that scar right now. So maybe in Obi-Wan, that is what happens to him. Oh my him. God. What if he like chops his arms off again? <laughs> rips the helmet off, slashes him in the face. Like just, it does exactly what he did to him. Yeah, Avenger the Sith again. again. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael J. Surley asks, what is Hayden Christensen actually doing in this show? <laughs> James Earl Jones is back as Vader's voice. A performance artist by the name of Dmitrius Bistrevsky is credited for Darth Vader as well as a stunt double. Is Christensen there as name only stunt casting? I think flashbacks are in the show's future. Um, so yeah, I hope so because I felt like if if he is literally cast so that he could stand on that little bit of cliff and turn around and look a bit ominous yeah. for that one sequence, that seems like not a great use of Hayden's yeah. time. I would not be surprised if we see flashbacks in this show. I would not be surprised if we see flashbacks in Ahsoka as well, um, given that obviously Ahsoka is uh, Anakin's Padawan. Yes, famously um, in the blur blur. In the Clone Wars, I'm not going <laughs> to sanction this blur blur anymore. <laughs> Too late for thing now. Um, I I don't know. I think Hayden Christensen spends as much time in the Darth Vader suit as Pedro Pascal does in the Mandalorian armor. I and agree. You can take that however you want. See, <laughs> Power 1997 asks: Is it odd not using more of John Williams' theme? Um, some of the Vader moments are crying out for the Imperial March. No, I I. I like John Williams' Obi-Wan theme, which has been popping up all the way through these episodes, and I'm liking Natalie Holt's work too, which is really, really good. Um, so yeah, we, 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 we got a nice mix of both, I think. Mm, I wonder whether I would have reacted more strongly to a little bit of John Williams. I think maybe that would have, that would have sort of smoothed the passage of this slightly, mm. if we'd had some, some Imperial March motifs. At what point, precisely? I don't know. I think, yeah, take your pick. I don't think you, is, we were on a fine line. You don't want to overdo it. You don't want to lay it on too thick, but I think it would have been, it, it would have helped me a little bit. I mean, the John Williams Obi-Wan theme is amazing, though. And, and you I'm got just to see be, it live, you I lucky son of a gun. John Williams conduct it live. Yeah, very jealous. Very, very jealous. Unbelievable. But it's so good. Like, already, it, it, it's, it's, I feel like it's growing in stature with every episode. Uh, we were singing it in the office before. Wait, James was actually learning to pick it out of the lineup. That as sounds usual. about right. My life depended on it. I couldn't hammer it, Jim. <laughs> Good grief. No, James was not present. It was other people who were. Uh, How does it go? I, now I can't remember, but at the time... <laughs> but weirdly, I can bring the Boba Fett one to mind. The Empire... Star Wars acapella orchestra. <laughs> oh, this was the other thing that was at Star, at Star Wars Celebration. The the Lucasfilm panel started, they showed a little like exciting, oh, we all love Star Wars reel of footage. Then I was like, there's, there's dry ice on the stage. Suddenly, stage lights up in red. There's the whole choir 
on the stage nice. all singing Jewel of the Fates. Ooh, nice. And it was amazing. unbelievable. Okay, it yeah. sounded incredible. I need to see footage of this. I saw uh, footage yeah. of someone screaming, this is the way in Spanish to Pedro Pascal, <laughs> which looked amazing. <laughs> Somebody did yell uh, uh, at the Attack of the Clones panel when uh, Tamuera Morrison came out. Someone yelled, like a bantha, bro! <laughs> and he stood and did his like, like a bantha movement with his arms. <laughs> so much fun. Awesome. I've, only, I've been to two celebrations and they were amazing. Amazing! I cannot wait. It's at it's in London again next year, so it is. Yeah, uh, all over it. Hopefully, Empire will be all over it as well. So, uh, mm. yeah, that'd be a that'd be a ton of fun. Um, all right, there's loads and loads of questions. I think we we got to wrap this up, but, but just two last things, which which factor into speculation about what's what's upcoming. And a couple of people have asked me this, and I, I dismissed it, but enough people have asked it from for me to introduce it to the group and ask for mm-hmm. your thoughts. Uh, a couple of people have asked whether Leia is going to end up having her memory wiped. No. No, which feels a little bit intrusive. Is that me. a thing they do? I don't think they can people. Wipe, can you wipe people's memories? I mean, I'm sure this? there's a Sith power that can do that, but generally, I don't think it's it's a thing. You know, outside of the blibler that I've seen happen. The blibler. No. Also, <laughs> it felt notable in this episode to me that she is still calling him Ben at the moment. She just knows him Uncle as Ben. Ben. The guy in the James. robe who... <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> she just knows him as Ben, the guy who is helping her out and saving her. And other people are calling him Obi-Wan around her, but maybe no, she's not really listening. They're not. Not while they're she's not. around. They're being very, mm-hmm. that's, the show is being very, very careful about that. There is a point in the uh, in the catacombs just before, just after he's read in the Falls, incredibly his, labyrinthine yeah. <laughs> network of cat really? passages. His, his little dirty limerick. There's a bit where Tala goes, you know, I never thought, something along the lines of, I never thought I'd see Obi-Wan Kenobi scared it's, or, it's or something now. like that and he goes it's just Ben now but they've sent Leia away Leia is at the other end of the of the room so she's not around when someone calls him Obi-Wan what about when Commander Gianni calls him Obi-Wan in episode 2 I don't think she's with him at that point mm, no I don't think she is either I can't think where she is Stupid busy sprinting around the city yeah exactly <laughs> at a speed no one can quite match mm-hmm. yeah they, they, it's been very careful not to, not to say the words Obi-Wan in her presence just the fact that them building this relationship out and the fact that she calls her son Ben down the line it makes is, no fucking sense no it does <laughs> it's wonderful it's wonderful I named him after a man that I never thought I officially thought I had met <laughs> but who then I, it turned out I had met yeah. and he had saved my life who I saw being reduced to a smoking cloak just a few feet away from me I mean honestly the people that you could have called him, you could have called him Biggs yeah Porkins 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 fucking died so you could live Leia, call your kid Porkins. Porkins Solo. There you go. That's much better. I've definitely instantly uh, improved the sequel trilogy. It's definitely what I would call a wedge issue. <laughs> but yeah, wedge is still alive, thankfully. But Porkins died. He died. Oh no, he died. <laughs> <laughs> Speculation, real quick. What's happening next episode? Where do we go? What happens? I'm on guarantee. <clears throat> Qui Gon Jinn's gonna show up. Anakin! Oh! No! <laughs> no, I feel like that's not happening until episode six. Okay. I feel I feel oh, like episode that, five. It's gonna be an episode five thing. It'll I don't be know. the penultimate episode. I don't know. Once Liam Neeson hears that someone's daughter's been kidnapped, he's gonna be all over <laughs> <of> this shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna see him jump over a fence from 17 different angles. <laughs> <laughs> a fence that he could have walked around. <laughs> I don't know who you are, I don't know what you want. <laughs> I have a very particular set of Jedi skills. <laughs> 
That's what's going to happen. All right, Ben. Uh, Obi-Wan riding a snoot horse into battle flanked by Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> no, we didn't want your masturbatory fantasies. <laughs> what's, what's going to happen? In, actually, those are mine as well. So what's going to happen in the um, next episode? Okay, Reva's got Leia maybe taking Leia. No, she can't take Leia to Vader, surely, because then... I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know. I she hasn't got. She hasn't got Leia. This is crucial. She has not got Leia. <laughs> yeah. I tell you how next week's episode is going to start. Obi Wan <laughs> is in a back to tank. Back to flashback to him. The flashback and, to tank. The yeah, flashback to tank. actually, he's onto something. Flashback to tank and Obi Wan and young Anakin with Hayden Anakin, Christensen. Anakin. <laughs> 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 uh, a flashback to tank episode is actually, I think, very likely, and unfortunately, it will trigger me because it'll just make me think of Boba Fett, and that will be very upsetting. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm actually happy to see that. How they're going to make that work? Because obviously, they have to youth the shit out of them. But they've proven that they have the tech to do it well. To, yeah. Well, to, yeah. to do it. Yeah, and it's not like they've <laughs> aged badly. Theoretically as well, we know Hayden Christensen has had lightsaber training for this show, but somebody is in the Vader suit. So does that mean we're getting flashback Anakin with lightsaber stuff? Interesting. Potentially. That is very interesting. I don't know. From a certain point of view. <laughs> very interesting indeed well listen we shall see what happens next week uh, when part 4 happens and uh, we will be right on it spoiler especially in the shit out of it uh, later on but that is it that is it for our spoiler special dedicated to part 3 of Obi-Wan Kenobi you'll notice I didn't predict what I think is going to happen in next week's episode that's because I am sitting on the fence I'm going to immerse myself in the blurb blurb in the meantime I'm sitting on the laser fence the laser fence I'm, I'm just going to walk around it <laughs> Put some respect on its name. When you're it going to be self-worthy of respect, then I will. <laughs> oh, you're going to be insufferable when Ahsoka series comes out. And oh, you <laughs> all the fuck, those fucking rebel twats turn up. It's all god. In it's season four, episode seven. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, Sabine Wren. Oh we yes, all, who we all know, who we well. all know and love, and that yeah. big furry bloke. Oh, Do you think yeah. there's anyone who's like who's the inverse version of us, who, who only knows a Clone Wars cartoon, and then is watching these things? Going, I have no idea who this old dude is. The fuck is happening? I think they're called Gen Z. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Zoomers. Anyway, uh, join us next week for more spoiler-related fun. In the meantime, it is time to say goodbye to my three colleagues of such lethal cunning uh, because we've got to record the main podcast now as well. James Dyer, goodbye. Did we we turn you around in this episode at all, Jimbo? Excellent. Uh, It's goodbye from our very own Ben, Ben Travis. Goodbye there. (laughs) (laughs) And it's goodbye from Amon Mormon. Peace. Peace I like you, you did a little friend. wave there. It's peace. <laughs> you don't need to see my identification. Yes, indeed. I'm a woman. That's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. Anyway, it is goodbye from me. Uh, thank you so much for listening. See you next time. You were right about one thing, Master. The amount of time Obi-Wan Kenobi spent on fire in this episode was short. Roger, Roger. Bye. <laughs> Roger, Roger. <laughs> Roger, Roger. Roger.